Boker Tov, we continue in the Gemara Moed Katan Chof Beis Ahmed Beis. We continue learning different halachas where there's a difference if you are mourning for a close relative versus mourning for a parent. So that's going to be the thrust of most of the next page or so. So we say like this, there's a concept of ripping your garments upon hearing the death or before the funeral of a close relative. How do you exactly do it? We're learning this exactly in the Smichas Chavar program. So now we're going to see the Gemaras that relate to it. I'll call Hamesim for all relatives aside from parents. Kulan Kore Tefach. You rip the garment the size of a te- length of a Tefach, which is a fist. That's how much you have to rip. Minimum. However, for a parent, we go So for a parent, although you also do a tefach, but that's not enough, you must rip the garment until you expose the heart. So there's two things. Well, really one thing is more that you have to cut the garment until your heart is exposed. So we'll have to see how many garments that will require. We'll have to get to that. But uh, it must be in a way that your chest can be seen. That's how much you have to rip. So it's a tefach as well, but the, the flesh of the heart has to be seen. So first of all, that means it's a lot to expose. It's got to be on the left side. For a regular relative, it's on the right side. You don't have to expose the heart at all, so it could be on the right side. That's one of the many differences that exist. So now, the Gemara wants to find a biblical, uh, at least hint, to see that this was the typical behavior of Jewish people when they were mourning. says, So what is the verse that indicates that this is the amount? Of a tefach, it says, Vayechazek David Bivagadov. David grabbed on to his garment, Vayikraim, and he ripped them. That's when he heard that Shol Hamelech died, Yonasan uh, died, many people died in battle. So, certainly, although this wasn't his family, but it was the king of Israel. It's not a small thing. So therefore, it certainly was a very big tragedy. So it's definitely something to rip your garment. Now, it could have said, and David ripped his garment. Just say, and David ripped his garment. But it has one more word. And he took hold. He grabbed. Why does he have to tell me he grabbed? Ah. But there's no such thing as grabbing unless it's a tefach. Because what do you grab with? Your hand. And your hand is a tevach. So obviously, he grabbed it, and then he ripped it. So grabbing, and so we associate grabbing with ripping. How much do you rip? As much as you can grab. You can grab a tevach. That is a tevach. This is a tevach. So that's why the, the Navi is hinting to us that that was the amount that they did. That's a significant amount. So, and that is from your garment. Okay, that's number one. Second difference between ripping. See, Shelley's review for you, from Morty, right? 
we're doing, but you're doing it in, in the morning and the night. Yeah. So uh, we'll, you get it. You'll get it. You'll be an expert at this. Okay. So now, next distinction is I'll call a mason kulam for every other relative. Even if you have ten garments on, okay, you only rip the top one. Now, interesting, from the wording it would assume that you're not allowed to rip more than the one. Why not? What if I do more? The answer is, that would be baltashas. In other words, as we've said before, the rabbis require you to rip your garment. And as we've said long ago, how do you square that with the concept you're not allowed to destroy things? You're not allowed to destroy things. But here, it's a purposeful destruction, as we explained. It's a way of expressing your grief, and that is very therapeutic. So that's not destruction. So you figure, well, so I want to have a lot of therapy. So I've got three or four garments on. I'll rip them all. No, you're only allowed to rip one if it's for an extended relative, so to speak, not a parent. So it's one and only one, okay? On the other hand, but for parents, Korea is kulam. You rip all the garments you're, you're wearing. We'll explain how many does that really mean. We have to explain that still, okay? And uh, because number one, you gotta expose the heart. So how do you expose the heart if you only cut one garment? Let's say you cut the jacket. No. Okay. And you cut the shirt. Okay. Okay. We'll have to discuss the undershirt in a minute. Not the tzitzis. Not the tzitzis. But anyway, but, but that is an, another difference. And on the other hand, though, while we're discussing this, now here's a discussion here, what this means exactly. suso. You do. It's not necessary, even for the parent, to rip your api korsuso. So what's an api korsuso? So it's a debate amongst the Rishonim what it means. Rashi says it's a kerchief. All right, let's say you've got uh, a little poof over here, whatever. So that you don't have to do, okay? He need not render the kerchief, even though it drapes on his shoulder. Maybe he's got a... You know, like the army people, they got these little kind of uh, kerchiefs go around the neck. You know, I, you know, I guess they're called a kerchief, no? They tie it up like a little bandana, but it's like upside down, so over there. No? Uh, no. Alternatively, enamake means quite literally, it does not hold back. That is, although the kerchief sometimes drapes over the rent in the garment, hiding it from you, from view it doesn't hold back or compromise the mourner's obligation. It's not really wearing it. That's the point. It's not really clothing. A shirt is clothing. A kerchief is not clothing. Use it to blow your nose or whatever, or you want to use it to make it look fancy or whatever, whatever it is. Others, however, render it as undershirt. <laughs> ah, the shirt that's pressed against the skin because that's for more for sweat, hygienic, whatever. It's you don't, if you think about it, do you really wear your undershirt? In other words, I know you're wearing it, but are you wearing it for what protection? Let's say it's the winter time or the summertime. If you're wearing an undershirt, why are you wearing it? Why? Why? Why did they invent that thing, the undershirt? So I'm, I'm guessing, I'm presuming, not to soil your shirt so much. 
if you're if you're wearing a shirt right on your flesh and you're sweating and all that, so the sweat gets into the uh, shirt and the shirt gets smelly and this and that. So you rather put it in an undershirt. So undershirt, oh, that's what it says. Since it's intended to absorb perspiration rather than act as an actual garment, it is not an actual garment. So and that's Rambam. We, so we hold like both of these opinions. So if you have an undershirt on. No need to rip the undershirt because that's not really clothing we're wearing for the sake of wearing. Okay, so now we're at the point now if you dress like this for a funeral, for a parent, then you would have to rip the jacket and the shirt, but not the undershirt. How are you exposing the flesh of the heart? What do you mean? Well, it's the undershirt. But, okay, that's not... It's not, it's like it's not there. It's just for the perspiration. Or if you want, on the day of the funeral, don't wear an undershirt. You don't have to wear an undershirt every day. So you just don't wear an undershirt that day. What? Okay, but tzitzis is a mitzvah garment. Okay. But the concept is you're ripping your clothes until. Now remember, in the times of Dovid Melech, the clothing had tzitzis connected to it so they they would definitely rip that here we wear the tzitzah specifically as a mitzvah garment <coughs> so again it's not like i'm really wearing tzitzahs i'm putting the tzitzahs on only so i could do the mitzvah so there's no need to rip the tzitzahs but in the days of david amelech when their tzitzahs were on their cloaks so that's what you wear so they would rip the cloak okay so that's the difference there if it's not apparent I'm sorry. If it's not yes. You're only with one garment. You rip the jacket or the shirt because you could take the jacket off. Whichever one off. you want. So you'd be sitting in shiva, let's say, and you don't have okay. the jacket. So, off. so okay. So, so here's okay. Okay. So here's the second point. Second point is how long do you have to wear the ripped garment? So the halacha is if it's a common relative, only at the funeral. That's oh. it. You rip it. Vizehu. You want to switch shirts? You don't rip again. If it's for a parent, then you have to rip again. So again, so I, I usually advise people, you know, rip judiciously. You know, if you, have, if you have a $400, $500 suit, I mean, whatever it is now, right? And it's a good suit, like why rip the suit for that? Just don't wear it. And, and I even suggest that to uh, children. Like, okay, unless you got like an old jacket, you're gonna throw it anyway. Okay, so then you could do it. But as long as you, uh, let's say, have a shirt, you're only wearing a shirt. So in the winter, that works out better because let's say you have a coat. If you have a coat, again, a coat is not something you wear in the house, generally. It's the coat, again, wearing means, the cl- like what you're wearing right now. This is what you're wearing right now. You're, you're in your house, you're, you're normally walking around, you wear clothes to cover your body. A winter coat is not really clothing. It's more for the cold. So just like an undershirt is for the sweat. And it's not because you're really wearing an undershirt. The coat, you don't wear a coat except if it's cold or raining. So that's not really a coat for that garments you. You follow? Um, you know, just like we know a, uh, a body is the garment of the soul. It's a garment of the soul. So when we wear clothing... It symbolizes, that's why we put tzitzis on our clothing, the real din, to show that just like the 
body is a garment for the soul. So clothing is a garment for the body. And therefore what? We shouldn't mistaken our body for our soul. In other words, or don't mistaken our clothes for who we really are. So therefore we're ripping our clothing. So what's the clothing? The part, the, your clothing is the part that covers your body, that covers your soul. But if you're going out on a cold, rainy day, that's what I'm wearing on top. It's not clothing. That's what we call, oh, it's called an overcoat. <laughs> Even in the English, it's called an overcoat. Why it's called an overcoat? Because it goes over whatever else is coating you. So those are things you don't rip. So the most, so, so the bottom line, the easy way to remember, what do you normally wear? So, okay, so what do you normally wear? Well, <clears throat> I normally wear a jacket and a shirt all the time. That's the way I dress. You guys wear a shirt with it. That's fine. Doesn't matter. You're both we're both fine. So the difference would be if God forbid I would be oh I can't anymore mourn for a parent, then I would be required really to rip both because I always dress this way, right? If you don't know, well, you just wear a shirt. Well, why would you put a jacket? Well, you can say, well, it's a special occasion. I wear a jacket special occasion. A wedding, you wear a jacket. Funeral, you wear a jacket. Yeah, but it's not what you normally wear, and therefore it's not like quote unquote a special occasion. I mean, it is, but it isn't, if you know what I mean. It's not a wedding. Wedding, well, you have to look fancy. A funeral, you don't have to look fancy. We're burying somebody. We're focusing on death. We're not focusing on, on what you're wearing. So therefore, that's what I suggest to people who normally don't wear jackets. It used to be 30, 40 years ago or whatever. When you went to work, you came in a jacket. So when you started working. Yes, jacket, jacket. But then somewhere along the line. Then it started off with Fridays, and then nobody wore a jacket. And maybe even you wore a tie, maybe even, when you started working. And it was unheard of for you not to. So you see again how the halacha has to adapt to the way people dress. So if you were a mourner 40 years ago, you'd be coming with a suit to the funeral and for a pair and ripping the coat, the jacket, and the shirt. Nowadays, the same person, 40 years later, would just wear a shirt and just rip the shirt. So that's uh, the difference. So it's consistent with the, with the theory, but it has to be adapted to what's going on over there. No, no. Child for parent. That's always the big exception because the parent brought you into the world. And you, you should feel more devastated from the loss. And you have to show them more respect that the suffering for losing a parent is greater than anything else. Notwithstanding what, a, obviously, a parent losing a child, chas v'shom, is a terrible feeling. But that's more of from the parent's emotion as opposed to respect. Parents, parents do not respect children. So there's a sense of loss that was a young child and it's just emotional and it's all real and there's nothing to be put down but you can't compare what the parent did for the child to what the child did for the parent that's all so you have to show a degree of respect and how do you how do you respect the parent you treat them different than everybody else you don't sit in their seat while you sit in your kid's seat so therefore when you lose a parent that is cons the honor for the parent demands that you show a higher degree of suffering, uh, of mourning for them, giving them that respect. That's part of kibbutz Somebody who, let's say, had an abusive parent, are they obligated by halakha to follow these rules? Yes, yes, yes. If you have an abusive parent, I'm talking to the 
things will be, Mike picks up your yeah, question. Sure. Uh, yeah, you have to. Well, that's a, you can ask a different question. What about keep it of eight? Yeah. So again, it's it's there's a obviously there's a um, a sensitive line that has to be chosen here. Now, obviously, depending on how there's different levels. You could have parents you just don't like. It's not like they just don't get along. Not abusive. Just don't get along. Kid has a certain attitude. A the way he lives. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes you say uh, some some people have children that they say, you know, if you weren't my child, I wouldn't love you. <laughs> no, no, that's, in other words, the child is totally different personality than the parent. It's a, if you'd have to pick this person as a friend, you wouldn't, yeah. you know, but they're my kid. But, and again, this is where it's a fine line. So the parent obviously loves the child, but may not like the child. Like every time you, you're together, the child, like he's just obnoxious. You know, there's certain people, just their, their way of, thinking and what they do and just drives you crazy so you wouldn't marry that person and you wouldn't uh, be friends with that person you wouldn't hate them but there's not so, so much love okay that's one thing then you get have uh, let's say a, a parent who yelled at the kid a lot okay nowadays we call everything abuse okay but uh, and then you have a kid who mamish hits the kid a parent who hits the kid again but then if you're really talking abuse like hurting you see this? Yeah, sexual abuse, all that. Okay, so now the question is, you are still obliged to give them honor, but you don't have to like them, or you don't have to love them. Okay, but so now, often <laughs> such a situation requires the, father, the parent child to be separated from each other. So the parent cannot be with the child. Okay, that's true. You still have a mitzvah within the confinement of the relationship now to honor the parent. Now, a lot has to do with the person's mental health, which is another important thing. Some people can be abused and still have a healthy mental state. Others can get abused and be destroyed mentally. So that's why, you know, you just can't say straight, cut and dry, this is halacha. So if the child is like mentally ripped to shreds and the thought of the of even like, so let's say you have a, a father who is abusive. Still, you know, you should call him once a month, whatever, to say, how are you? You know, and give the parent a chance to say they're sorry, you know, but doesn't make things better. But so you call him. It's hard. It's hard. No, it's still a parent. And if the parent, when you grow up and you're not going to be abused anymore and he needs to drive to the doctor, you know, you should give him a drive to the doctor. He's still your father, he still brought you into the world. If your mental state is such that when you drive to the doctor, you're gonna to have to go to see a therapist for nine months, then you don't have to drive to the doctor. So say, I can't just say it straight halacha. Some people are strong, they're tough, you know, and whatever, it says, okay, you know, and you get over it. So now when you come to Shiva, so now the parent's dead. So he is a parent, so you, you, should, you should sit Shiva for them. Again, unless the person's mental state is so uh, damaged that they're going to be damaged more by sitting for them. So that already you have to speak to a psychiatrist and a rabbi. It, it's not a simple situation. But, it, but still and all, the parent was your parent. He brought you into the world. Without your parents, you wouldn't be here. 
and that is the greatest gift you could get. Ah, he did a lot of terrible things to you. You're right, but it doesn't unparentize him that you have to do it. So again, you don't, you don't, just like you don't have to, for example, spend your own money to honor a parent. You don't have to. If you, let's say, uh, your parent uh, wants uh, fancy drinks, basically. it says, get me a, a, a very expensive food. So you could say, Dad, give me some money, I'll buy it for you. You're not obliged to use your own money, although if you got the money, you should. So just like, you know, you're not, so you're not obliged to spend your own, you're not obliged to give away your own welfare for your parent. So it, again, these halachas obviously change over time because 40, 50 years ago, nobody talked about abuse. And not that it was good, but nobody talked about it. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Forty, fifty years there was that much sexual abuse. It was a lot more verbal abuse and physical abuse because that's the way they th- you thought you parented a kid. You whacked him up, and that's <laughs> that's the way you parent a kid. And nobody, you know, sixty, seventy years ago, that was normal. That was, I, I'm a good parent. Watch, whack. You know, and for better or for worse, okay, your parents hit you. So that's that's all there is to it. But when it's really is. And then they would just sit shiva, that's it. Nowadays, everything is more out in the open, more sensitive, more this and that, as it should be, as it should be. So the halacha has to be sensitive to that. So usually the rabbi will try to, that's why you don't want to get a rabbi just from steals that doesn't know who you are, and you start asking questions. It's not a smart thing. You have to have a rabbi or somebody who really knows what's going on, and they, they can guide. For some cases, better not. Uh, other things better yes uh then again you're just you're just just sitting shiva so it's like okay so you're sitting it, it has nothing to do with the parent although it's you're going to be thinking a lot about that parent and that could be damaging to the person uh, in the in the true essence i i would say uh if the person went through that probably shiva would be very therapeutic because then you could really talk about you know he abused you and try to be Muhammad's source. You know, people who are abusers may have been abused themselves. So, although that doesn't justify what they did, but you could understand what they did. And the victim now, you know, could think that they could be an abuser. So, you know, so you gotta, it's it's not so simple. You know, we've gone through a terrible gullus and you have no idea, you know, you know, we only know what's the news as to, we, we know about the Holocaust. But there were a lot of, there was abuse to Jews was a standard behavior. And, and when you had the uh, parrots didn't <coughs> abuse Jews, and you don't think there were parrots who just took women and raped them, and nobody said anything. Or, or even sodomized men, no one said anything. So you can imagine, I'm just trying to portray, we don't realize what Gullus was. I mean, there's reasons why we said Tevila Saderich. <laughs> It wasn't, you know, for us, it's more like a cute thing. Okay, St. Wilson there. You know nothing's going to happen, you know. In those days, you know, you went out to Leipzig. You don't know if you're going to come back. And you know what they're going to do to you. So Jews in general suffered so much abuse from people. I'm not justifying it, but you can understand why they might abuse their kids. That's all there is to it. So sometimes the person saying Shiva, you know, with a good therapist would say, well, you know, I have to really tell you a few things about your dad. You may not have known, but when he was in the Holocaust, they used him for medical experiments. 
yada, yada, yada. So uh, it doesn't mean he should have done what he did, but maybe you could look at him in a different context or, or whatever it is. So then the shiv would be very therapeutic. It would be very helpful. So you can't give a straight answer here. That's, that's all I'm saying. But, but the person answering must know all the pieces of the puzzle over here. I've had cases where people, they mamish hate their parents. And because there's good reason to hate their parents. You know, parents. But I said, okay, at least on Rosh Hashanah or Erev Yom Kippur, you call them up and you say, how are you? And talk to them for 10 minutes. And then you put down the phone. And even, but they're going to yell at me and scream at me and this and that. It's like, once a year for 10 minutes, this is your kapara. And at least you're giving them honor, you know. So that's, it's not easy, but that's being a Jew, you know, you have, you have to appreciate that. Okay, no, moving, yeah. There's a married couple, no children, no relatives. How no. do you rent? Well, who's gonna, who's gonna rent? In a well, <laughs> just, just, just a husband and a wife and that's, that's it. Correct. That's it. So then the spouse is the only one who rips. That's right. Now if, Oh, oh, well, you, mean, you mean a spouse? Yeah, a spouse, a spouse is like a regular relative. Okay. Only parents. Okay. I know that's very interesting that a regular a, a spouse is the halacha of mourning is the same as a brother or sister or parent to child. But it's right. Okay, now, now all these halachas. Echad ish ve'echad isha. It's the same if you're a man or a woman, meaning both ways. In other words, if the person dies as a man or woman, you do the renting, or if the person has to rip their garment as a man or woman, same thing. Now, this leads us to another issue here. A woman's going to expose her heart. It's not very modest. So what do you do? But if, if it's for a parent... It's not. If it's for a relative, not a problem. Yeah. You're wearing a jacket on top of the shirt. Just cut that. No problem. But for a parent, the the the, the woman who's cutting for a parent has to explode, expose her breast. <laughs> that would seem to be an halacha. So we we have a way around that. Reb Shimma ben Elazar Omer. Shimma Elazar says, "Ha'isha koras es the woman first has two garments, an undergarment. Let's say nowadays women wear those, I forget what they call them. You got a blouse yes. and they have a shell. Okay, so let's use that example. So what she does first is she rips, she keeps the shirt on, rips the shell. Okay, that's right over the heart. And then turns the shell around. Because those things are just a shell, it doesn't go through your arms. So the shell, then just turn it around so the rip is in the back and the other part's in the front. And then you rip the blouse. So now there's no sneeze issues for obvious reasons. The Torah doesn't want her to expose her heart in a way that's not sneeistic. So at least you've done that. And then, one, so now she puts it back. Then she comes back and now that the bottom one is covered in the front, then she cuts the first one on top of that. Okay, that's basically what I said. Or also, according to Rama, if you don't have to do an undershirt, so a woman's wearing a slip. A slip is like an undershirt. There's, you have to know women's clothing here. You, you've got, first of all, their, their real underwear, and then you have a slip, and then you and if you have a slip, then the slip's covering anyway. 
right? So then you just have to cut the shirt. So this now, is considered clothing as opposed to an undergarment. Yeah, yeah, because that's how women wear things. Right. They, yeah. you know, especially from women. So you don't because they wear the shell to keep up the, the neck. Uh, I was going to say, just leave the shell on, don't rip it, and then you rip the shirt. The shell... I'm sorry. Leave. No, but the shell is not. It would not be considered an undergarment. Okay, that's the difference. Because a lot of people just wear it regular, or sometimes they'll have the shell, and um, the shirt doesn't have to be buttoned necessarily because there's a shell. Right. So it is it is a part of garment. Um, now, but uh, so there. Now there's another solution uh, that can be done, but. But that gets a little complicated. Although this is a correct way to do it, it is complicated because you know you have to tell the woman what to wear. So I don't have a shell. Let's say she said, I don't have a shell. Well, what am I going to tell her then? So uh, even though most do. So what you can also do, and again, this is done. The ripping, first of all, the ripping should be done with the assistance by a woman yeah. to a woman in a modest. So you don't have the rabbi doing that. And what they do is, let's say she doesn't have a shell. So she rips right over in front of a woman. No. And then you use safety pins just to safety pin it up. I thought you could put a jacket over. You could do a jacket over, but remember, you're going to sit, if it's for a child, for a parent, you got to sit the whole shiver with that. You're going to wear a jacket the whole time. So then you would pin it, or you could put a sweater on. But what if she takes the sweater off? So the simplest solution is you use some bobby pins. And the bobby pins close it up. But what do you think from all of this? You do not have a tie that you cut with. You cut your tie. That's totally not acceptable. And certainly not to put a little black ribbon on. There's clearly nothing at all. But that's the way it goes. All right. To be continued tomorrow.